welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. All right, a really big statement. Uh, This is probably the most important sermon I've ever preached. I've preached a lot of sermons. So I want to talk with you today about the cause that the church has. It has a clearly well-defined, articulated cause. And we are left in no doubt as to the cause and to what Jesus expects from his church. But somehow we don't seem to be able to do it. Someone once described the church as Cinderella with amnesia. So today we'll complete our Essence series, but not really because I'm going to come back to this over the year as I recast these three particular topics and bring them back to you again and again. Before I get to too far into preaching, there's two things or three things I want to say. I want to alert you to the fact that in two weeks' time, uh, which is Palm Sunday, I'm going to be preaching on the topic of money. So I'm just letting you know that's what's coming up. Palm Sunday is where the residents of Jerusalem cut branches and laid their coats down on the road before Jesus as he entered into the city. And I think there are many things we need to lay down in worship before Jesus. So I need to talk to you about money for several reasons. One of those is it's a big issue as we grapple with it, as we grapple with the need or, or, or with our greed and our insatiable desire for more. And so we constantly need to be recasting this and saying, what is our priority in life? The second issue is that um, uh, we've noticed a noticeable downturn in our giving. And so I need to raise that with our congregation to see if this is what you mean to do or if this is just something that's been happening and it's not being noticed by you. So at the current rate, we will have to make some changes and I want to talk to you about this to see if this is what you want to happen because uh, there are some things we will not be able to do or maintain if this continues. So, two weeks' time, talking about money. If you don't want to hear it, don't come. (laughs) Talking about prayer, today starts 21 days of prayer for us as a church, 21 days until Easter. It is tonight at 5pm. Last week, I challenged you to come to one per week of prayer times. Did you hear me say that? You're looking so blank this morning. Come on. I challenge you to come once per week. Now, I know, I know so many of you have emailed me this week and said, Jonathan, couldn't it have been 5 a.m.? I'm sorry. It's 5 p.m. Okay, so it's tonight. It starts tonight. I'm leading the first session tonight. It is good for the church to pray together. So I call you to prayer as we prepare ourselves for Easter and what it means for us and what it means for our world. Let me lead you in prayer at this moment. Lord, we've prayed to you already many times in this service. And this time we pray for us. We pray for our hearts. 
We pray for a softening of what's going on inside of us, that we might hear your voice. We pray it for us, that we might be your people who bring good things to your world. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So today is the last of our C word, which is cause. Cause means our reason, our trigger, our motivation, our purpose. It's the goal we as a church are meant to be pursuing. There are lots of good causes in the world and lots of organisations in the world that do great things. But the church has a calling, has a cause that is unique and it is an eternal mandate. It is a cause that has been given to it from the King of Kings and the Lord of all, the one who is over all things. And probably like you, I've been watching what's happening uh, in the media in the last sort of week or so. I've been watching federal politics, eh? Who wants to be a politician? Says no one ever. Far out. State politics. Watching what's going on in Western Australia. Watching what's going on with the royal family. Hey, isn't that? I'll shut up at that point. (laughs) I am convinced, let me stick to the gospel, that Jesus is the only one who has the answer for our world. I'm convinced. Jesus is the only one who can heal the mess of family relationships. Jesus is the only one who can heal the mess of past sinful actions, the only one who can heal the effects of our broken world. I was reading Mark chapter one the other morning in my personal devotions and I was struck again at how attractive Jesus is to those around him. It remains the same. Everybody knows, everybody knew then and we know now that Jesus is the only answer. As a church, we are the ones who are given the task of sharing the news that Jesus is still in the world and he's still doing his work. He is changing lives. He's healing broken relationships. He's restoring brokenness and changing our futures. It's not on us to do that. Isn't that good news? It's Jesus who does the work, but it's on us to point others to Jesus. He is the signpost. We are the signpost to him who is the healer of the whole world. When we are not the church, when we do not take up our cause, we become introverted, we turn in on ourselves and we just become a club. A couple of years ago, I was leading one of the men's trek up in the Victorian high country. And uh, we'd been walking all day, most of the day, and uh, we were on our way to a pre-arranged destination and we were looking for a small right-hand, or I heard it was a small right-hand turn in the road that would lead us to the place where we were going to camp that night. And I'm not really sure why I'm sharing this story, but you'll get the point of it because it makes me look really bad, I'll tell you. <laughs> and I don't quite know what happened in that walk. I don't quite know what us guys were doing. There were seven of us, so I'm not quite sure what was taking place because we missed the turnoff. Maybe we were talking, I, I don't know what was, guys talking, no, that's not, not the case, is it? Um, having gone a few kilometres too far, we realised that we'd missed the turnoff. And so we scratched our heads, we pulled out the maps, pulled out the GPS and realised that we needed to turn around and go back. Now, if you've ever had a backpack on, that is not a good thing to do, to retrace your steps. And the steps were uphill, 
And as we walked the several kilometres back to where we should have been and rounded the corner, there, lo and behold, in front of us was not a little track off the side. It was a huge road that we'd walk right past. That wasn't the bad thing. The bad thing was there was a sign there pointing <laughs> to the direction we should have been going. We'd completely missed everything and ended up on the wrong track. How easily we can be distracted and miss the road we should be on. If you've got your Bibles, can you open up to Acts chapter 1? I encourage you to bring your Bibles to worship with you. So Acts chapter 1, the book of Acts is the companion book to that of Luke in the New Testament, both written by the same author and probably should be read as companion books. So read one after the other. What we are introduced to is the last words of Jesus and the beginning of the church in the, the rest of the book of Acts begins to pad out for us and shows us. Uh, and it tells us how the church went about fulfilling what Jesus asked. I'm just going to cherry pick a few verses here. So here's my first point from verses four and five. On one occasion, while he, that was Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. This is, I want to bring to you one very simple thing that I want you to notice here from this verse. A simple but very significant thing. The disciples were asked to wait for the gift that was promised. Notice, notice who gave the gift, who was, who was giving the promised gift. It was the Father. It must be good because we know God the Father gives good gifts to his children. Jesus spoke about this over and over again. But here is one that Jesus is keen for us to have. So if we quickly flip over to Acts chapter 2, it might be the next page or just on the same page on your Bible, we see the result of that gift. Look with me at verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the cloud. Crowd. Cloud. Crowd. Fellow Jews. And all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully for what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It is only nine or 11.45 in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now, I don't want to labour this obvious point, but the good gift given by the Father is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the gift of the presence of God in all believers. In all believers. Not every believer apart from you. Not everybody else, but you're exempt from this in all believers. If you love Jesus and you serve Jesus, this is the gift for you. God's Spirit in you. Not excluding you, but in you. Then look with me at the first part of verse 8, chapter 1. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So here we see the Holy Spirit is the gift, as we know, but the Holy Spirit brings power. So not only is it the presence of God that comes on you, but it is the power of God that comes on you as well. This is a very special power. It's not power to do what we like. 
It's not power to solve crime like Wonder Woman or to jump over buildings in a single bound. It is the power for a specific task. Let's read on, second part of verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Why? Why do we get this power? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Why then do you think God the Father gives power like this? The answer is what we just read, to be witnesses. To say, I have seen and experienced the work of Jesus firsthand. To say, I know the reality of the living God in me. So here's the crux of what I wanna say to you in part three of our Essence series. We have a cause. The cause is to be witnesses to Jesus, to what God has done through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, to share the words of Jesus, to live into the ways of Jesus and to emulate the works of Jesus. This is what Jesus was asking His disciples to do. And let me make it really clear, and I've said this a few times now, anyone who loves and follows Jesus is His disciple. This is the command of Jesus for us, the church of Jesus. Do you notice here the definitive language on the lips of Jesus? He says, you will be my witnesses. Notice what he doesn't say. You could be my witnesses. He doesn't say, maybe if it's okay with you, you could be my witnesses. He doesn't say, Well, you could decide to be my witness or there's option A or B and one of those is you will be my witnesses. He doesn't say, say, one day, once you've finished theological college and you've got it all together and you know all the answers, you'll be my witnesses. He says to those scared disciples who didn't quite know what was going on, Resurrection just happened in front of them. 40 days after that, it was all, all sort of, go, they were confused. And, and you read in the, the end of Matthew's gospel, some doubted, still not quite understanding what was going on. He says, you will be my witnesses. Amen. Now, I know this exact point can cause a lot of guilt, but I... I I don't believe that's what Jesus was meaning to inspire. In fact, I cannot recall a place anywhere in the Scriptures where Jesus provokes guilt. He challenges, absolutely. He holds up a mirror, he lifts up the truth and he says it how it is, but Jesus brings freedom, not guilt. So if we've got guilt when it comes to this, there's something going on for us that we need to work through. And and I wanna do all I can this year to lead us as a church into a place where we are true witnesses without carrying the guilt about being witnesses. Would you like to go there? I'd like to go there. And I wanna teach that and see if we can teach into this and see if I can, the challenge is for me to teach into that and the challenge is for you to pick up that teaching and work it out. So we'll see how we go. The point here for us to remember is this, Those of you who who know and to love Jesus, we ought to understand and we need to get crystal clear without a shadow of a doubt that the lost matter to God. That is to say, those who don't know about Jesus, those who have never heard about Jesus matter to God. And it goes with saying the things that matter to God matter to God's church, the disciples, the collection, the following of those who follow Jesus. If it matters to God, 
it matters to us. This is our cause to turn towards the outside world, to forget our needs, our likes, our agendas, to live into that which God is calling us towards, to be a witness to the world. For us as a church, this means things that will not always be, uh, will not always be as what we like them to be. The way we structure ourselves will not always be as what we prefer. The things we spend our time and money on will not always be our first option. There is a world outside our window that God's heart is strong towards. God's passion is directed towards it. God's love goes out to it. Some of this is done through God's church that's us. And when we are formed, our DNA is to be witnesses of God in the world. Over and over again, the Bible, the same message is clear. God keeps saying He wants a relationship with humanity. Over and over again, we see God reaching out. He sends prophets and priests. He sends His Son to connect with us. He wants a relationship with all of us. And now through the power of His Holy Spirit, which lives within the church, which is you, He sends us. Did that first time and He continues to repeat that call again and again and again to us. That's us to reach out to the world. Yet again, being a witness reminds us that it's not about us. In fact, the church exists for those who don't belong. Our cause is to be a witness, not to be comfortable. Our cause is to live a life so devoted to Jesus that others notice. In the last couple of weeks, I've been working with some recycled timber in my workshop, some Western red cedar in my workshop. It's beautiful. It was actually, um, it was all painted and I ran it through the machine and you know, underneath all that brown paint, just something living under there. It's just, just extraordinary. Who, who else likes timber? Or am I just, there's a few. Okay, that's good. The thing is that uh, in my workshop, uh, you, gotta, you sort of open the door and you've got to walk your way through because I've got an office at the back of my workshop. So when I go to my workshop early in the morning and what, daylight savings doesn't end till next month. Is that right? Easter Sunday? Wow, so it's going to be dark for a long time in the morning, isn't it? And I, and I walk through my workshop and I've got to be really careful what I leave lying on the ground because otherwise it can be a bit nasty. But the last few mornings as I've gone into my workshop and I've opened the door, oh, that smell of timber. You know what I'm talking about? It's almost like when you're hungry and you come home and open the door and... There's nothing there. No, Uber, <laughs> Uber Eats comes. No, no, no. When, when there's something cooking and it's, you know, it's just that, you, you, you know, and you've all got that happy place that evokes something for you. Someone in the first congregation said, or the first service said to me afterwards said, it's the smell of, of new soil and diesel because it reminds me of what my dad used to do on the farm. You know, just that place you go that, that provokes that images and, and the good place where you go. You know, we, we are witnesses. We, we are the, the smell. We remind people of the goodness of God, don't we? By who we are as a church. So Jesus says to us, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. There are particular things that he was meaning here um, and they're loaded with meaning, but 
suffice to say that wherever you go, you'll be my witnesses. You'll be that open the door. Wow, that's good, isn't it? One of the things that I've learned, and it's taken me a while to learn this, I'm a bit, bit slow on the learning department, I've learned is to assume that God is already at work in people's lives. In fact, God's not waiting for me to turn up to do His work because He's already been active in people's lives. And I think back on my life, maybe you think back on your life, that you realise God was working in you and around you before you were ready and receptive to hear the good news of His saving grace that was for you. If this is true for you, true for me, it's true for others as well. All God wants for you is to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit that is in you. He gives you His power to discern what He's doing in people's lives so that you might engage with that. And so all of us are in unique situations. We're placed in, in, in places where no one else can relate to. A unique set of friends and a unique group. Some of those people we know do not know another Christ follower. And you become the ambience of God, the aroma of God, the witness to God for them. So often I hear people reflecting a view that we need to be the moral policeman in the world. And I certainly agree there are terrible things happening in the world. We should speak about them. But our primary job is not to point out the negative in the world, but rather throw light on the good things that God is doing and has done in the world. We have good news to share. Life-giving, transformational, hope-bearing. God is active. God is present. God is changing things. Even people like us. And he's got more people to change yet. I believe there are two things to our cause. The first is that it's personal. It's about how I give others the impression that God is alive in me. It's how I act, how I drive. I still haven't got a speeding fine. It's the values I reflect. It's the way I live my life that is God honouring and points others towards Jesus. We do need to speak the good news. We do act, but we do need to speak. Sometimes we actually do need to say that Jesus is important to us or that spiritual things are important to us. I was talking with a friend the other day, a non-Christian friend, going through some hard times, and I said simply this, I am praying for you. It was enough to engage us in a deeper level of the relationship that we had. And I'll follow that up later time going what I've been praying about. Maybe that's enough for you to say to your friends, I've been praying for you. I find people are incredibly open. God is, like I said, working in people's lives. And if we are prayerful and attentive, we can partner with what God is doing. There is no greater joy than to be in sync with what God is doing in somebody else's life. Try me. Then it's us together. It's what we do as a church. It's how we act together. It's how we orient ourselves to be open to others, to look outside at the world. It's all these things that I've talked about and so much more. It's why we must keep doing things like Road to Christmas, like we must keep doing things like Kid Venture. It's like us trying to engage with the kids at the skate park, the retirement villages, the schools, the community centre, the list goes on. It's us planting churches. Let me tell you, I'm so committed to planting churches. 
I think about it at night, I think about it at daytime, and I think about it, it makes no logical sense at this moment to plant a church or even two churches, yet I hear the call of God at this moment. I sense the sniff of the Spirit in this. For us as a church to step out in faith and take some risks, to send some of our best people to reach others who don't know yet about Jesus. In the Acts verse that we read, or that Sarah read to us today, there's one thing there that I just want to point out before I close. The command of Jesus to be witnesses was the last words he spoke. He knew he was going. He knew it was coming. He knew he was going to be whisked away. He knew he was he exported up to the cloud or wherever, or whatever it went. And the last words was the charge to the church, the cause, to be witnesses. My friends, I want to call us back to the simplicity of what is to be a follower of Jesus. It's community, it's personal commitment, it's knowing our cause that we are witnesses to life, the purpose and the meaning found in Jesus. We give witness to the work of God in the world together and all of us individually. So when we live in real community with each other, remember, as we heard this morning, I'm calling us to be organised in small groups. When we care for that group in amazing ways, when we have real intimacy in our groups, we show those around us that we have something different. Small groups are unique, let me tell you. And when we show a commitment to our own growth, to our own development, our own community, remember, I'm calling us to a commitment that is fixing our eyes on Jesus. When we show those around us we are very different. My friends, I made a very bold statement at the start that this could be the most important sermon, that this is the most important sermon I've ever preached. And you're probably thinking, there's nothing really very significant about that. And you're right. Because it's not important for us. Although it involves us. It's important for all the, the many hundreds, the thousands the hundreds of thousands who live all around us. I know it's not earth shattering for you, but it's not about you. It's about those who haven't heard. It is important for them. In fact, it is life or death for those who don't know about Jesus. At the back, at the end of the service, there is a bit of a baskety sort of a thing and I'm coming back to an idea I, I did before the, I don't know, was it the second shutdown? Or funny how we talk about shutdowns as time periods. Um, where I had some coffee vouchers from the local coffee shops. Remember this? Some of you remember this? And my challenge to you was to take one of these coffee vouchers, it's not for you, to take somebody else out who, who doesn't know about Jesus, who maybe has had spiritual questions or just a friend of yours, take them out for coffee on us. And maybe in that time period, maybe when you're out for coffee, they say, how come we're out for coffee? And you might better say, well, the church cares for you. I want to see how you're going. Maybe it's, I've got something on my heart I want to share with you. I've never talked to you about the faith that I've got inside of me. Would can I, can I share it with you at, at particular time? Maybe something as simple as taking somebody out for coffee 
is enough to change an eternal destiny. It matters what we do. It matters what we say. It matters who we are. We have a cause and Jesus is calling us to it. Let me lead you to prayer. We thank you for the beautiful message that we have, Jesus. Life-giving, life-saving message that changes our lives and has the potential to change so many more. Help us to have the courage to share it in how we live, in our attitude, but in what we speak. May we be your witnesses, picking up the cause that you've laid for us, not with guilt, but with joy, with courage and conviction that lives may be changed and destinies may forever be united with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.